1: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages to the winter is coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Isis, Corey Smith, and Cory Thone. And guess what? We have made it. The long night is over. Almost two years of wandering through the desert with no Game of Thrones to talk about is over. We are here to talk about episode 801, Winterfell, and by the way, I just want to say that in my... My a- annual article where I try to guess the ep- episode names, I guessed correctly that this episode would be called Winterfell, pat on my back, although I'm sure that I'm going to whiff next week because I chose the words for House Greyjoy, we do not sew, and they pretty much summed up a beyond Greyjoy story arc pretty fucking quick this episode, so uh, I think I'm going to whiff next week, but uh, anyway – Let's get right into the exciting things. And I want to talk about the intro, first of all. Um, I really thought it was super neat. Phone, eight seasons in for your final season. They didn't really have to do it. I kind of felt like it was a little bit of like, thank you fans for making us what we are today. So here's something special. What did you think of the intro?
2: I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I think it really... Told a lot about the upcoming season in in parts and some of the places that are going to be important that we haven't seen in the intro before uh, the last hearth or whatever, which is where they found the shrimp scampi made of boy and legs. And uh, (laughs) then I mean the the interesting thing to me is a it it did it did highlight because if you go back and watch like the intros from seasons three, four, whatever, like how many different places there were with characters in it. And this time it was like wall Winterfell King's landing. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> that's, that's it. Just kind of well, everybody's here. So they had, they like did the thing where they go inside of places. Uh, and it's interesting that they went into the crypts and into the throne room or whatever for uh, in Winterfell. And then also in King's landing, just thought it was it was yeah. it was really great, and it looked it looked great. It looked higher budget than yeah. It's
1: the same company who does it normally. but They're the same people who did who did uh who does the Westworld intro. Which if you don't like Westworld, you still got to give props to the intro. It's amazing. Um, they're the same company that does that, and I and I love the little details, like in the, in the Red Keep, the throne room beneath it is the dragon skulls. And they even showed uh, the scorpion, the crossbow bolt those, that shoots Valerian skull. That was pretty fucking cool. Um, I, there was just so much stuff to go back and watch. and I don't know if any of you guys noticed this. If you did, let me know. but on that you know thing that, that that revolving sun thing is called an astrolabe, and on one of the rings, it, there's a gold, there's some gold fillery filig- type like, like figures. And one looks like a White Walker holding a wolf's
3: head. Have you guys seen this? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, I caught that. I, I didn't know. Like, was that a callback to something, or we were we supposed to get that, or was it more foreshadowing? Well, I tried to
1: think back. When have we seen a White Walker grab somebody's head and throw it? I'm trying to think. Like, I know they've killed many, many people, but like, it seems like they're trying to point to something, right? And then I got really scared for Ghost. <laughs> don't
2: worry. He's nowhere near this episode. So
1: yeah. it's fine. He wasn't anywhere near this episode. Or well, maybe say this
3: season. We don't know.
1: Yeah, yeah we don't know. But like, it looked like a White Walker holding what seemed to be a wolf head and been like, there's a dragon spinning fire. I don't know. There, there was a lot of cool things that you still have to go back and watch. Um, and the thing about the last hearth, when they put that in there, if you notice the spiral that goes up, the mountain that goes up to the top of Last Hearth, the guys who created that said that was a direct uh, homage to the White Walkers, how they make circular patterns and everything. So they wanted to let you know that this castle's being attacked by the White Walkers, so it was a secret hidden message, I, I guess, which was pretty cool when you go back and watch it again and go, oh, yeah, I can see that, because when they went to Last Hearth on the show, there wasn't this roundabout. Didn't go all the way. Didn't go circular. It was a straight ramp up to the top. But um, let's get right into the episode. Kind of a callback. To, well, not kind of. It was a direct callback to the uh, series premiere where Arya is trying to run around and find a and watch King Robert's court come through Winterfell. And just like that, just like back then, we had the Hound come in, and there were all these different people. Uh, Isis, what did you think? How did you feel watching this, comparing it to to, uh, season one, episode one?
4: Well, I mean, you know, in season one, we really didn't know what to expect. Um, You know, we didn't have any real relationships with these people. So we didn't know who Arya was going to be or who she is or whatever. Um, It was it for me, in my perspective, it was a, a total different kind of take because, it was really kind of Arya looking at it from the point of view of who she was in the very first episode. So I thought that was really awesome. Um of course, you know, we've grown after years and years of looking forward to um these people having a reunion of Arya seeing John and and, you know, seeing her, her people that she had she had thought were dead i.e. the Hound, um, and then seeing Gendry, who she probably thought she would never see again, and seeing him. So I, I feel like there was a, a real kind of element to it where there were some highs, lows, and then there was a, some you know highs again. Um, but again, I thought it was really telling as far as You know, Arya seeing this very excited kid looking at it from her point of view from season from episode one. Um, But again, we didn't have those feelings for those characters quite yet.
1: Macy Williams acted her ass off in this episode. Um, If you watch her face during the the, uh, march into Winterstown, which is that little town outside of Winterfell and then on through Winterfell, when she sees Jon... She wants to, she wants to call out to him. You can see it on her face. Like she goes from being the badass, faceless man assassin to that little girl who said, said goodbye to her favorite brother in the second episode of the series. Like it quickly changes. And then she sees the hound and she gets serious. Then she sees Gendry and she goes, Oh, you know, you kind of see her kind of soften up a little bit. So there were a lot of different aspects to to aria that i really liked macy williams uh putting on display here it was pretty cool um
4: aria aria like you said she acted amazing acted her ass off um but the the aria as far as growth as a character um i think this episode really showed intense amount of growth where you know maybe she didn't have a whole lot of dialogue but the fact of her reaction to things um, shows a lot of growth. And, and I would almost, you know, say that it's almost on par with Jamie's growth um, as a character. So, you know, as far as Arya, I felt like this was very um, poignant and not at all out of character for her and and really shows some, some really great things that we're going to see in the future for this uh, season.
1: I would agree. Arya has been on a little bit of a redemption arc after she – got revenge for how stark and a lot of people out there are probably going redemption Arya didn't need to be redeemed well Arya was absolutely a bold-faced murderer like she's straight up cold-blooded murder anybody who got in her path and that's fine because she's an anti-hero everybody likes her i like her i have no problem with her killing people um but that's because she's one of my favorite characters on my favorite show and in my favorite books but She's done a lot of bad things, and that well, that's what made her and John's reunion so goddamn important, and we'll get to this in a few minutes. But when he asked her if she had used Needle, and she kind of looks down at her for a little bit and goes, once or twice, you know that she feels a little bit – like, it kind of it makes you think. Does she feel shame for what she's done? Does she think that she needs – to hide who she is, if she reveals to John what she's done and who she is, will he be uh, ashamed of her or scared of her? There's a whole lot of things, and then I wanted to get you guys' opinion on this, and we'll leave that reunion up for another, a few minutes down the road. But does nobody at Winterfell fucking talk to each other? Like, do, like, okay, so they get to Winterfell, and John's like, "Where's Arya?" And the first response is, "She's all skulking, skulking around." Okay. Did nobody tell John that Sam was there? You've been... John was there an entire fucking couple of days, I think, right, Smith? It seemed like a couple of days had passed. And he's down in the crypts, paying respects to Ned, and Sam shows up, and he gives him a hug like, you already left the Citadel? What are you doing here, Sam? Does nobody talk to each other at Winterfell?
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know about the exact timeline, but it was at least a day. I mean, at least an entire day. Um... So yeah, it was really kind of confusing how nobody yeah talked to each other, knew where anybody was, and it's like it's you know what I mean like you figure you'd find out as soon like why wasn't Sam there when Danny and John arrived?
4: Right. You know what I mean
3: like where like you hell, Cersei
4: Cersei like, Cer- 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 knows what what's going on at Winterfell or what's yeah. going on in the North better <laughs> than freaking John. That's I mean, what I'm let's saying. Be on- was, let's yeah, be was, honest about that. Yeah, it was Danny really met weird. up with, with Sam before freaking Jon Snow did. I mean, seriously, I think that was probably one of the most missed opportunities was that whole segment where Sam, you know, I mean, come on. Could Bran, while he's skulking in the freaking, you know, uh, you know, in the front door of the freaking castle, couldn't he just like, hey, John, just want to let you know, you know, your BFF is here. I don't know, especially if he was going to pawn that job off on him on him anyway. <laughs> I know he totally pawned it off, right? So okay, he, that was the biggest booger flick I have ever seen <laughs> in my entire life. Like that was a juicy rolled up booger that just went flick, and it was just like seriously.
1: I'm waiting for an old friend, okay, yeah, right. That's my biggest excuse. If I don't want to go talk to my parents or talk to my my friends about something serious, that's what I'm gonna start saying. I'm sorry, I can't go talk to them. I'm waiting for an old friend
3: yeah i I thought the execution was clumsy, but I think Brand did have a point that Sam is the person that John trusts the most on the show, right? John and Sam have gone through so much together, and there's literally nobody else. That John would would trust as much as Sam, like he would trust it more. I don't know. even coming from Brand, like because John doesn't, he hasn't been there enough to like real to understand <laughs> what bran has got going on with the three eyed raven thing. So I feel like exactly, I feel like Sam, the I totally agree. The execution was clumsy as hell, and they didn't handle it right as far as passing it off. But I do agree with the fact that. If there's anybody in that castle that John would listen to, it would be Sam because not only have they gone through so much together, like John trusts the fact that Sam doesn't have an agenda like a lot of other people, right? Like he knows okay, so, Sam so, is honest to a fault. So okay,
4: so I'm gonna I'm gonna challenge you on that. Okay, so
0: challenge.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna challenge you on this. <laughs> so you're telling me that someone, if my uh, you know, we've already established that, you know, uh, John died and came back to life, right? And so are you telling me that it would be really hard for John to figure out, even though at this point he hasn't figured out he's a Targaryen until Sam tells him, but that's nor here nor there, and that's another conversation, that Bran tells him, dude, I know about boat sex, or I know about this, I know about this because I can see into the past, that John's not going to believe that shit? I don't know. I, I think that uh, to me, if he would tell me pointed things that happened um, in my life that I know that he wasn't there for, I'm gonna believe this guy who said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm a three-eyed, ra- I, I'm a three-eyed raven, and this is what it means and stuff like that." Again, really, no, you're
3: absolutely right. I, think you, I think you know. guys are missing hold on, the hold real on. reason. No, 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 no. She challenged me. Hold on. <laughs> so. He- that what I would say in response to that is, is that that would be too much information. That would be information overload. He's like, hey, I know about boat sex. Hey, I know about this. And by the way, you're also a Targaryen. That's too much information to handle in one conversation. Like, Bran... You sure, you sure I, look pretty on that night you had boat sex. Are you masturbating <laughs> in the closet? Correct. That's too much information for, for John to process. I don't think that he wouldn't have believed Bran... But I feel like Sam was the right messenger for that job because, like I said, Sam is the person that Jon trusts the most and and believes the most no matter what the subject is. And so he's not having to sit there and, and understand Bran has some time traveling, see the future, see the past. I'm the Three-Eyed Raven who is really a 100-year-old Targaryen guy under a tree. He's not having to process that. He's just processing the fact that he's a Targaryen and that his father lied to him. I mean, there's so much for him to go through without adding the well, metaphysical shit that Bran comes with. And I think Sam was the down to earth, easy, you know, honest person to break that news to John.
4: Okay. So, my last point first of all, We only have a couple of episodes, so John needs to get on board that Bran is the three-eyed raven and just suck it up and stop being such an idiot. And then not only that, but also Bran should have noticed that Sam was kind of emotional and that, you know, I mean, apparently he knows what happens in the future. I'm I'm assuming that Bran does and that, you know, he sent Sam because that's the way it should be. That's the way it it, it had to have been. But at the same time, I'm just going... Come on. I mean, you, you're going to have to explain to your brother how you know exactly where the th- the uh, freaking whites are, um, where the Night King is, and how you can see all of these things. So, I mean, you might as well just go ahead and take the fucking Band-Aid off, dude. Really. Well, seriously. So,
2: I, I think the two reasons that they did it with Sam, aside from, I, I do think there is some, like, you what Smith said about, like, it's too much to process for John – might be what the writers would tell you, but the actual reason is that it's too much to process in for John for us in one sitting. Like we 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 can't have Bran in the time they had to address that scene with the rest of the episode go through both, hey, I'm a warg, slash, three eyed ravens, slash all that shit. And also uh, your Targaryen and all that shit and also Sam has documents that back it up I think it was just easier right. to, for Sam to be like I have documents to show that this was a real wedding and Bran does Bran things and he's confirmed it and the second reason is that there and we've talked about this before I don't think there are ramps to the crypts and <laughs> Bran couldn't get down there to be the one to tell John and was kind of embarrassed, you know, about it, so he didn't want to request a, a carry or anything. So Can we
1: just talk about Bran being outdoors the entire episode? Because that's what happened. He was straight up outside Should the we just entire
2: episode. And Smith nailed it when he said this is clumsily handled. There I mean like this episode it is really got me scared for the whole season because yeah. because yes. it's all the same clumsy beats that we had last season. When it came to big events. And I'm I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean. I'm not trying to keep on the same argument.
3: But I, I agree with Isis's point. That we don't have a lot of time. For this shit to go down. But that's actually frustrating. Because we could have had as much time as we wanted. Right? right. And so this episode as a whole. Felt very rushed to me. And I understood we had to we had to hit this we had to hit the, we had to hit this reunion we had to hit this reunion we had to reveal John's parentage we had to get him on the damn dragon like it just felt like we were just hitting all the beats and we weren't sitting there allowed to process anything
1: right that's exactly that's the point you need that's that, that's right there we didn't have enough time to process the things that were to, happening
3: in this episode right and and we talked about this you know for the past two years that it's it's really kind of frustrating because i mean even with season seven it's like we could have had a full 10 episodes with each one of these seasons and we could have had a slower pace not a not a slow pace but a slower pace to where we could have had time to digest some of these things and we could have had the proper you know the each event could have had its proper um weight given to it and i think and i mean we're going to Talk about this, but the you know, John hopping on the dragon, right? What
2: the that happened so, just yeah, just get on, yeah,
3: exactly. (laughs) And it was nice knowing you, okay.
2: Hey, there's a dragon, hop on, let's
3: do it, no problem.
2: It's two people, two dragons, fuck man, let's
3: go, come on, yeah. Like, oh, we didn't figure that out on the fucking boat all the way up here, we just figured out now, so and he didn't fall off, and like, there were so many times where he should have fallen off, like. The whole top gun
1: flyover where he's turned sideways and flew past ferries and Davos. And then he figures out, oh, if I grab the horns and turn him with my knees, I can steer him. And so he dives down into the canyon and then he lands at the waterfall. Like John went from being a complete novice to dragon riding to a fucking master in, in like two minutes. And that,
3: right. And that's and that's the thing that, that was I mean, that whole event was just emblematic of the it's, problems i had with the episode and that
2: i almost want to say let's pump the brakes and talk about some other stuff but okay I get to the we dragon stuff, but also but also like what you're saying is what we're going to be saying about a lot of scenes yeah i think and and i i'm i'm eager to talk about sansa yeah and i, I know that everybody is because i have uh, hashtag many thoughts about <laughs> Sansa, and and I Has am starting shocker. Yeah, and, and the, you're going to be shocked actually by what I say because I'm I'm officially going to have to change my opinion on Sansa, not because of anything in the show, but because of what because it wasn't in the show. But I'll let I'll let David bring us into the Sansa stuff.
1: Well, yeah, I I'm glad that you segwayed us into Sansa, but here's the thing about Sansa. I wasn't mad at her in this episode. A lot of people were like, "She was so snotty and so mean," and, and yeah, she was. But she's the lady of Winterfell, and the North. John left the North in her care, and if you look at the way she prepared Winterfell, she did a goddamn she good did a job. Great job. Great job, everybody. Everybody, but the the Glovers and the Umbers were there. The Glovers turned their back on House Stark because they're chicken shits and they're mad at John. And the Umbers just didn't have the, the, the means or the way to get there. Carstarks got there. Um, the, everybody else is there. Wintertown is full. The, 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 the Unsullied are bivouacked outside the fucking castle. Everybody's there. So, like, she did a great job of getting people there. And there was some great back and forth between her and Daenerys. Like, the shade that was being thrown back and forth. Like, what do you even feed two dragons? Whatever they want. That was a great back and forth. I enjoyed those lines. I thought the show, the episode was made much better for that. But, Bone, lead us in with what you got for okay. sounds because I liked her. I liked her in this episode.
2: So I know I know that David got excited earlier when I said that I took notes, and notes isn't exactly what I did. It was more like today, processing the scenes and the stuff that happened. And if I had a thought, and I was just getting really frustrated I actually added sentences to this paragraph several times, just like after I finished writing it, about Sansa. So the problem with the show, and I think Sansa is the biggest problem with the show, not – well, let me just explain. There's the Sansa that they've given us, and then there's the Sansa that they believe they have given us by writing her, right? Right. And I think it's time that we accept that while we all think that Sansa is less than the most intelligent person on the show, the show is dead set on telling you that she is as smart as Cersei or Littlefinger or someone else. And they're writing her character now from the perspective that they have established that in the universe, that she is indeed that person. For example, Arya's statement to John that made my living room, me and my wife go, What the fuck? She's the smartest person I know. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, first of all, hot pie knew to brown the butter, so you're full of shit. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that statement in and of itself was like, okay, this is the show telling us Sansa is smart now. Even though we uh, we really haven't done – and, and I, I put that on the writers because they have not done a great job. Like, And, and then they just have – so this episode did give us, for the first time, I don't know, maybe ever – the moments where sansa was just 100 percent right in the face of things and it's like but it's the it's the last season you're just now giving us super right sansa where she's like we don't have enough food for this many soldiers we don't have enough food for dragons what do dragons even eat i know she said that kind of sassily but danny's response was bitchy and unnecessary. <laughs> and it's a great example of Danny being unable to read a room. And Danny has just as many problems as Sansa in this episode. And we'll get into that later. Uh or or her being the only person or, or her being the one to tell Tyrion your sister's gonna betray us. That again was a very deliberate choice by the show to be like Sansa's the one that's telling Tyrion, the person she quote thought was the most clever person in the oh, world.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Your sister's going to betray us. Everyone knows it, but you. Like they, they're they're really giving her these moments of like, look how smart she's gotten. But it's like these smart things are things that everyone in that like watches the show already knows too. So like her, they they haven't they haven't presented us to Sansa. They think they have, and I think that's why so many people, myself included, roll my eyes whenever they talk about smart Sansa. And I've just realized they've just done a bad job writing Smart Sansa. This whole time that I've thought that it's been like maybe it's gonna build to something, she'll get there. And it's like, no, they think they've got her there. And so I've just had to change my opinion. Sansa in the show universe is super smart and has made great decisions the whole way and is the smartest person Arya knows. And that's the facts of the show universe. So
1: I really agree with you. Like you couldn't have said it better. Like the whole point about Talking to Tyrion, and saying you you used to be the smartest. I used to think you were the smartest man alive. Like that, that was that necessary? Like, yeah, Tyrion for some reason, and I don't know why. We all think it's because he he believes Cersei's pregnant, but all She's of a sudden, not.
2: Corey was right. Sorry.
1: She is she is not pregnant, and although we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Lena Headey with that facial expression after Euron patted her belly and said he was going to put a prince in there was was great acting. But uh, I don't know. I was I wanted to be. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I I have never liked Sansa. I I have never. She's never been one of my favorite characters. I started liking her a little bit after season five, um, but I still fe- felt like she was a flawed character. Who and not flawed in like oh, Jaime Lannister fucks his sister and push a kid out of a window, but now he's on a redemption arc flawed. I thought she was flawed because she was written flawed. Like, I did not like her. But then she, I started warming up to her a little bit more. I didn't like how she always called Jon out in Season 7, but still, I warmed up to her. And then all of a sudden, she's like the greatest mastermind in the North or even the Seven Kingdoms has ever known. And it's like, where did this come from? Arya... Literally, just a couple of episodes ago, if we want to go by episode count, it, however much time has passed since you, you, you wanted to cut your sister's face off because you thought she was going to betray John. And, and now you're defending her to John. So, like, it's so fucking weird for me to hear all these people talk about smart Sansa and them not actually show us smart Sansa. Uh, Isis, I think you had a point to this.
4: Yeah, so you know, I I I feel the same way that you guys do. I've never been a huge fan fan of Sansa. Um, I, if I had to give her a grade on this episode, I would give her an A minus. And and being all the things that Corey Thone had talked about, how you know she has really taken care of Winterfell. She has done all the things that she needs to do to take care of what needs to be done for this upcoming war with the dead. But it's almost like She's more focused on you bent the knee to the queen instead of, yeah, but I'm trying to keep us all alive. And she is the best shot that we have, you know, that we have to that. And you would think that she would go and say, yeah, I I get that. I get that, you know, alliances had to be made, you know, whether or not we like them or not. um, You know, this is the best chance that we have to survive this. And she's really, really pushing him about like, "No, you're the king, they wanted you to be the king, and blah blah blah, and it's like, really, think about the big picture, sister. I mean, understand that you haven't seen the the dead. I understand that I get that you didn't get that visual of the dead person or the dead you know body coming out of the box and coming after you 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 have no idea what that is but i also blame john for not doing and i give him a c in this episode because he didn't really impress upon and he it's because his lack of ability to talk to people um is that he didn't explain all the things that you know danny has done you know the dragon stone the uh, uh dragonglass sorry um you know that she saved their lives you know and and she you know they went and took this. You know, white down there to try to convince, you know, more people to come to their side and everything. I mean, Danny has done a lot. Now, granted, I think Danny really needs to be handed the, bo- uh, the book of uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, <laughs> I think that would be a really good read for her. Uh, maybe audiobook. I don't know. Somebody needs to read it to her, though, because she's doing a shitty job at that. But I really feel like John... It's just like, hey, this is the choice I made fucking deal with it instead of saying, no, these are the choices I made. And for these reasons, boom, 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 lay it out. You know, all these different times that she's helped us in this journey to try to help to to keep us alive, um, make the make the the, the case. For Danny instead of kind of, you know, leaving Danny high and dry. And if I was Danny and I already done giving you boat sex and you just kind of be like here, you know, you're just in this room now and you're not freaking giving me any kind of backup. I I don't know. I think I don't think uh, a dragon um, flying would have happened. So. So, you know, agree. I think that Sansa, she's done an incredible job. Is she the smartest person in the room? No, Uh, but I do really think that it was very telling that what she said to Tyrion. um, I think that, you know, just John not being able to communicate effectively um, and then Danny's inability to read a room like Coria said and said, you know what? I need to get these people to like me. I know I'm the queen and I know that, you know, inside of me, I want to be like. Yeah, you're going to you're going to you may not like me, but you're going to respect me because I'm your queen or whatever. That's just that's just not going to win. Well, here's the thing, though.
1: Here's what I don't. Here's what I didn't like at all is Daenerys was falling back into that same old trap. She was in season seven. Bend the knee, bend the knee, bend the fucking knee. We get it, Danny. You're the goddamn queen of the seven kingdoms. Everybody needs to bend the knee. And then like her and Jon are having a nice moment before they go to the dragon's. And and she's like, well, she does she doesn't respect me, but she has to. And then they cut her off. It's like, I know you were gonna say bend the knee. I know you're gonna fucking say, Ben don't fucking say bend the knee anymore, please God, don't go back to that. Like, what you guys mentioned it, Corey Smith, you mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast. I'm so nervous for the way this this season's gonna go now because of the way what we've seen so far. Just the and <laughs> we're skipping ahead. And I promise you, we're going back and we're going to talk about the things. Just the trailer for next week where she's got Jamie Lannister on trial. Wait a second, sister. You met him at King's Landing in the Dragon Pit. You knew that he was bringing an army down up, up north or, you, you know, he didn't bring it one with him, but you knew he was going to be there. Was it always your plan to put Jamie Lannister on trial? Because he killed your father? Like, what, what What the fuck is going on? How do we have time for this, but we don't have time enough for Lyanna Mormont and Jorah Mormont to have some kind of reunion? Like, my God, I don't know about you guys, but I wanted a little interaction between Lyanna and Jorah, and we got none of that. Like, Phone, I know you're a Mormont fan. You talked about this before. The The connection between Mormont and Stark is really strong, right? So... Were you? Did you expect at least a curt nod or a little wave, hello, between the two? I don't
2: know. Does she even know who he is? Well, she's, she gotten, she's gotten. She's gotten. Why she, would she even be in alive whenever he got exiled? Well, Truly. okay, she would've well, been alive, talking... but she wouldn't have been
3: old enough to. You know, she would've been two or three. Yeah, so she so, wouldn't. I mean, she would have remembered.
2: I, they I will, will probably. They will probably do something with that later. And I think I think it's going to be during the scene you're talking about with um, Jamie is you're going to have Jamie in there. He didn't come with an army. That's why he's going to be on trial. They're going to be like, well, you didn't come with an army and you're a cripple. So we don't really need you. And you killed my dad. You shoved Bran out the window. You betrayed Ned Stark and attacked him in the streets. Like, how about we just kill you and no one will give a crap? because they won't give a crap because, and this is something that I, I feel like a lot of fans of the show have forgotten about, but that we are third person observers to a universe where everyone else is living first person. So a good point. we, they don't realize all of the growth and change that Danny or Jamie or John or Sansa, whoever insert person has gone through all the things they've seen things they've done they just know the famous things in in Westeros Tyrion is still considered pure evil and he yep. killed he killed Joffrey he killed his dad and fled to the east and came back with an invading uh outsider Targaryen with dragons like he's a bad guy and and you know so there's a lot that they this is another thing i think they fail at is reminding us that this is a show not only is it a show that is about the one percent <laughs> uh this is a show that's so true this is a show that really only shows you about the one percent of the of the conversation and the viewpoint. So I think in that scene with Jamie where he's on trial it's gonna come out where the people in the north are gonna be like okay and they're gonna do like the, the clap emoji and be like, okay, so let's just <laughs> let's hash this shit out, right? John, you go up north. You come back with an army, great, but you also come back with a new queen that you've bent the knee to, and her army is comprised of people like mm, my uncle Jorah, or whatever Jorah the Explorer, who uh, was <laughs> banished from Westeros for selling slaves and being a piece of shit. You're also got a bunch of wildlings over there. You have the Hound showing up out of the blue. You've got and just like going to list off all these people that they think are bad and haven't seen the growth and and there's going to be like a big come to jesus meeting and i think a lot of stuff's going to get worked out in that jamie lannister trial scene you were talking about
1: one of my favorite moments was the march into winterfell and watching Masande and gray worm look around at all the white faces and how they were staring back at them going and you could just hear their inner monologue going Oh, what the fuck have we got ourselves into? <laughs> yeah,
2: somebody had a screenshot on Twitter of the two of them looking at each other and captioned it with Get Out 2017 director Jordan Peele.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um. OK, let's talk about Cersei and in, in Euron and Harry Strickland, our new character that was introduced. OK, so he didn't bring elephants over in the books. Harry Strickland brings elephants with him. So I, I I don't know if the reason they kept talking about elephants was because they wanted to make a joke about it, but um, this to me, Corey Smith, make, this is one of the reasons I feel like we're being rushed. Like they could have had fucking elephants if we had if we had four more episodes this season, but whatever. I'll give it up for that. Whatever. I still don't get ghosts, so so Cersei doesn't get elephants. Um, uh but. Euron and Cersei had sex, um, and and the whole time he's like, you can see, you could see and tell, he was very, very, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He was not sure of himself, and and he kept trying to compare himself to Robert, to Jamie, and uh, when he patted her belly and said, "I'm gonna put a prince in, the, in your belly," she had that look on her face, and she, you could tell right before they cut the scene. She almost lo- It looked like she was about to be brought to tears. So either A, she was pregnant and had a miscarriage and we just don't know about it, or
3: B, she was never pregnant in the first place. Smith, thoughts on that? Yeah, well, she also was drinking wine, right? And we yeah. saw her abstain. Yeah, in from- the
1: 1960s, pregnant women. No, no, in- no. no, in- no, we, no. <laughs> we've
3: already been over this. She abstained from drinking wine, which was Tyrion's first clue that she was pregnant. Good point. So- Good point. So she, she that's an about-face in itself. She did not drink wine in the season seven finale, and now she's drinking wine. So there was that. And then, yeah, that look. I mean, to me, I think we've all kind of assumed she's not really pregnant. Um, and even if she is, she's not going to end up having the baby. So, yeah, I think we're... It, we, but then the seeing this just throws us into a whole nother bucket or can of worms um if she did lose the baby in between seasons like that's a shitty moment to have off scene like she's just gonna bring that up in a couple episodes like yeah i don't know how you bring that up you know what i mean like
2: how do you think again it's going to be next episode Uh, either that or it's going to be episode four it won't be in episode three and i I really think that they're and I, i hate to interrupt your point But just looking at how fast everything happened in Episode 1, I feel like Episode 2 is going to be the exact same way. And we're going to get so much just rapid – it's not even – calling it plot developments wrong. It's It's chess placement. Like they're just gonna oh God, mm-hmm. we gotta deal with this this baby thing. Uh, I had a miscarriage and Kyburn and couldn't save it and, and here I am and I'm sad again and that's where I'm at. I'm alone. I'm all alone. And there's a great boom. Chess piece on the board. Cersei's got the army down south. Moving on. Like that's that's just what it's gonna be. I just it's I don't just, see
3: it being any better than that. It's checking the boxes at this point. Like it's just okay that's we a need, great way to describe it. Yeah. it right like okay we need jamie to be in winterfell okay check he's there we need cersei to have lost a baby check she lost it like but that's and the frustrating thing is that's not uh, the. Sh- we
2: need theon back in winterfell boom he saves yari's gone already. yeah yeah seconds, by the like- way by the way and i this was the dumbest moment of the whole episode it wasn't like how fast that shit happened, how quickly he saved Yara. The dumbest part is they're on a boat out in the middle of the ocean in a time before you could just get a helicopter to take you somewhere. And Theon's like, I kind of want to go back to Winterfell. And she's like, then you should go. And they hug. Like, you're still on that boat for I don't know (laughs) how long. You're not going to swim. Where are you going? like it just <laughs> blew my mind. They were like, "Goodbye, brother. You are still on that fucking boat. You're not gonna just. You're not gonna dingy."
0: This is really getting,
2: awkward. You can't row over there. So it was that. That just made me laugh. I was like, "That's just lazy." <laughs> that's what is insane. awkward
3: may never die. Yeah, it was just we, we. need to rescue Yara. check. We need to have an escape route for the Starks and the Targaryens. If Shit goes bad. Okay, check. Yara made one little comment, and we need to have Theon at Winterfell. Okay, check. You got you got thirty seconds to accomplish all three of those things, and that's what they did. And in I mean, in every basic thing in the episode felt that way. And I think episode three, when we actually have the Battle of Winterfell, is going to be fine. I think we're going to feel all that stuff there. But I think what it's just like what we took, like, with the, in Season 7, like, the battle beyond the wall, uh, like, the battle itself was cool, and seeing the dragons and seeing them on the lake, all that was great. Getting but, there was dumb. Right. Everything that we had to go through to get there was stupid, so I feel like Battle of Winterfell is going to be great. Right. A ton of our favorite characters are going to die, and we'll Ooh. feel that, but everything that we needed to get there, it just feels so rushed, and that's not what the show was for the first, I don't know, five or six seasons. Right? right? I mean, everything took forever. Arya going up the King's Road was like seven episodes. And then her and the Hound running around was like seven episodes. And it's just like, or an entire season. And now it's just like, okay, you got you got 30 seconds. You got to accomplish these three big plot points. Okay, go. We literally spent more time... With Braun banging those chicks and potentially, and we'll talk about this in detail. But that scene was, I'm I'm pretty sure we can time it. Was literally longer than Theon's rescue of Yara and then Theon going off to Winterfell. Yeah, let's talk right? about Bron. I mean, like Braun's a small a small moment about Bron, who's one of my favorite characters. I love him, but like literally that whole thing took longer than it took Theon to rescue Yara and then, you know, helicopter out to Winterfell. Like what is going on?
1: So, I'm watching the episode and I and I and I tell my wife, you know, they got to get Brian up north. She's like, "Yeah, how are they going to do that?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, Lena Headey and uh Jerome Flynn who plays Brian, they can't be in the same room per their contracts. They hate each other." So, I'm really interested in how they're going to do it. Next scene Bronn's having a three-way, and Kyber interrupts
2: him. <laughs> Correction, Bronn's having a four-way, but not to— Four-way, not
1: to... My, my bad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, one of them—I like the fact that Kybern says, poor girl, she's going to die of the pox in a year, and, and J- Bronn almost chokes on his drink. But um, it, the poetic justice remark about using the, the crossbow, Joffrey's crossbow, that killed Tywin— do we think braun is willing to go through with this Ice back let me know do you think braun is gonna go through with killing uh, Tyrion and Jamie
4: no no I don't think that at all
1: you got what what was it two wagons or one wagon full of gold
4: I th- I don't I don't, I don't remember I mean I wasn't paying that close attention uh, but I mean, at the end of the day, Braun's not going to do that. He will leave. He will leave. But I don't think that he's going to kill, when push comes to shove, he's going to kill Jamie or Tyrion. Just, it's not going to happen. And it's not going to happen, you know, because the Queen asked him to do it. He already can't stand her in real life. Um, and he can't stand her in as the character is Cersei anyway. So I just, I don't see it happening. I think he's just going to be like, all right, well, you know what? This may be my time to go ahead and bail out of here. And, and he's a survivor. So he's going to try to look for a way for him to, to survive. But I think that, um, you know, even if he came back and he did it, you know, I would, I would have to always wonder if she's going to kill me anyway, because she doesn't like him anyway.
1: I can't see Bron, the character that we've watched from season one till now, this Bron get a wagon full of gold and just trot off by himself up north. I can't see him putting himself in harm's way. Bron's never seen the dead, but he's seen the dragons. And he already said, if she wants me to go kill the dragon queen, then she can go fuck herself. So I can't see Bron. Getting a wagon load full of gold, packing the crossbow in a bag, and saying, "I'm going to go up to to Winterfell and kill me some Lannister boys." I doubt I, unless she sends him with, with guards like some Lannister soldiers or somebody else. I don't see that happening. I think the only way that Braun goes on his own up north is if sorry that my cat just ran across my keyboard. There you go, hey. <laughs> that was nice. Thanks, cat. Anyway, um. I think the only way we get Braun going up north is if the Golden Company goes and he's gotta go with them. Um but I Why don't, I don't you know. get a
2: control of your stupid tiny pet.
4: No kidding. Jeez, I'm indeed. sorry, the
1: cat went crazy, jumped over the thing and made a lot of noise. By the way, my cat's name is Zagon, so it's appropriate. <laughs> But, but anyway, uh, is it, I don't know, phone, tell me, is it out of character for, for uh, Bronn to go up north or not?
2: Uh, no, I think he's going to go north because he can't stay there. Cersei gave him a bow and gold, so if he doesn't leave, she'll send the mountain and kill him. So he's going to go north. He's going to immediately go to Tyrion and Jamie and be like, hey, Tyrion, remember what you told me? In season three, episode whatever, whatever he told him, he said, uh, <laughs> "If anybody ever offers you money to kill me, I will double it." <laughs> and he's gonna du- really he's gonna make back. the offer to double it, and that'll be that. Then he'll give the crossbow to Tyrion or Jamie or whoever. And I mean, just foreshadowing wise, they will then use that crossbow to kill Cersei.
1: Oh my so- God, I'm loving this so much right now. And it's got to be, it's got to be tearing. We all know Jamie's going to die in Brienne's arms and in episode three. So
2: I guess, I don't, I don't know.
1: I mean, that's a guess. I'm just guessing. But, um, so I want to talk a little bit about the reunions we've got. We've already talked about Arya a little bit with, um, with John. And we've seen, we talked about, you know, John and San- Sansa and John had a nice reunion. She smiled at him. They hugged. It was great. John's reunion with Bran was a little, um, I don't know, it was a little weird. It was awkward. And I guess this was the first time that John was getting uh, the his first taste of robot Bran. And, you know, like uh, he, he calls him, what does he say? You're a man now. And, and Bran says, not really or something like that. Almost or not, not, not quite yet or something like that. And uh, kind of freaks him out. The John and Arya reunion was nice. Then you had Arya and the Hound, which was weird, but also I expected it to go down just like that. I did not want Arya to have a reunion with the Hound that was all hugs and giggles. I wanted them to stare each other down. In fact, I wanted one of them to draw a weapon. I wanted it to be like really tense. And I read an article today about uh Macy Williams and uh and Roy McCann were talking about their reunion and And apparently it's going to get better for them as the season goes on. Like, there'll be this mutual respect. But the Hound already gave her a little bit of respect by saying, you know, you're a cold bitch, aren't you? But you have to be, I guess, since you're still alive. You know, and that was his way of paying respect to her. But Isis, I want you to talk to me about Gendry and Arya because there was some major, major hard emoji eyes coming off Aria in the in that scene.
4: Okay, so before I do that, I I do I don't want to glaze over the reunion of, of Arya and John. Um to me I, I I got I had heart eye emojis because and, and it wasn't like anything sexual. I mean they're, they 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 have this love for each other, this brotherly sisterly love for each other. They have not seen each other in years, and to see her how she kind of like sloughed off that uh, faceless person off for that moment when she just jumps into his arms. Oh my God! I mean that to me was just everything um that's exactly what i wanted i wanted her to jump in his arms and they just embrace each other and just have that moment um really reminiscent of the moment he had with Sansa. but for me it felt more with aria so now back to aria no no no. you're right you're right
1: let's don't glaze over that you're absolutely right i didn't mean to glaze over that because there were some great moments from that you're right she dropped that facade of the faceless man and she turned into that little girl from Uh, season one again and that was great did and and it, it, i also loved the fact that um they compared their weapons to each other but what got me was this he 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 asked her you know H- how'd you sneak up on me and she asked him how'd you survive a knife to the heart so somebody's telling John the legend of jon snow is going around the north maybe sansa told her i don't know we don't know who who all knows? Oh, it had story.
4: a been it had a been Sansa. You know that girl. She they've been look. You know since since they've killed Littlefinger, they've had many petties. They've been doing <laughs> each other's hair. You know they've been gossiping. They've been talking. Shit's been going down. So look, they've been doing some girl talk, um, some coffee talk, if you will. And so. <laughs> So I don't. I mean, I'm, I imagine that she's she's hearing it from Sansa, and 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 that's very telling as well because you know just the way Sansa uh, Arya stood up for Sansa, which she wouldn't have done before. Um, she she would have taken any moment to kind of you know belittle her sister, uh, whether she deserved it or not, and um and it just really kind of goes to tell you that while you know all this time that Jon was having boat sex. That Arya and Sansa, you know, again, you know, growing and, and coming to a mutual understanding that, yes, they are two different people. She is the lady lady of Winterfell and Arya is just Arya. She's the faceless man. And But they've come to a, a real, like, you know, like most adults do with their brothers and sister. They come to a, hey, we can work from here. We can work with each other. We can do this together. We're stronger together. Um, some some siblings can, uh, so I think that's that's where they're at with their relationship. And it was really a moment for Arya to be like, "Yo, you know, John, I I love you, I respect you, and all that stuff. But don't be talking about my sister, or you know what I mean. Don't try to belittle my sister." Because
1: She's defending our family, and John yes. says, "I'm I'm I'm your yeah. family so, too." So I mean, it, it really kind it. of put
4: John. In, yeah, I mean, it it really kind of put everything kind of in notice. But I I really enjoyed. Um, that, you know, they were comparing, like you said, uh, weapons with each other, which, you know, with he with John, she could always do that. With, um, you know, Sansa, that's not something that's going to be a thing. But I really want to hear what um, Corey um, Bone wants to say about this.
2: Well, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of already, when I was earlier, I was talking about the way that they're writing Sansa is by, you know, softballing these moments and having Arya say that to john you know just like hey she's smart hey she's smart hey she's smart. and it's like okay fine show me her doing something smart like that's that's all i want and if and if your answer to that is well yeah. she knew that cersei was going to betray Tyrion," okay but like everyone knew that we all Tyrion. knew that <laughs> uh, I, I think that the biggest problem and, and i don't know i kind of want to hear I know that I appreciate you throwing me the, the ball there, Isis, but I know Smith has had his hand up in chat for a second, so I before I, because I feel like what I'm going to say might pivot the conversation, so I, I'll let Smith speak his piece before I pivot us, because I'm going to pivot us.
3: Well, my question, I guess, is at, now that we've finally seen the reunion between Arya and, and John, which was the better reunion? Was, was Arya and John or was it Arya, I mean, Sansa
2: and Jon.
1: Arya and
3: Jon. Because of their
1: connection from season one. Okay, actually,
2: I had this written down, totally as an aside, book readers. Was the Jon and Arya reunion everything you wanted it to be and more?
1: I... I wanted it to be a little more, a little longer hug, and a little bit more excitement, but the fact that um, Arya showed him needle and she was proud that she had still had needle and the fact that he showed her she he showed her long claw and it was valyrian still and he's like are you jealous like you know they talked about things and even even after Arya defended uh sansa um she still gave john an opening like yeah you know, just don't forget you're you're part of the family too. And they they hugged and when, and I I did the screen cap breakdown for Winners Coming today, and I got a couple of great shots from either side. And one is Arya laying her head on John's shoulder, and she's smiling, and her eyes are closed. And the other side, John's eyes are closed, and he's he's smiling, and it's like they're both just so goddamn contented and happy that they're home after this long arduous journey. The and don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the hell out. I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I had tears in my eyes whenever John and Sansa reunited at Castle Black. That was a that was a very emotional reunion. But that was the first reunion that kicked off all these these other separate reunions. And maybe it's been so long. What's it been three years now since since that reunion happened? So, um, I, I my favorite reunion was Arya and John.
3: I, I guess, I mean, you touched on it. I, I feel like there was some special weight to John and Sansa because it was the first one of any of the Starks coming back together, right? At that point, no, they'd all been scattered, and that was the first time two of them had been together. And there was just, and Sansa was, she was fresh off of dealing with Ramsay and everything that went with that. And so seeing John, I feel like that was a super powerful moment. Um, So I I guess I'm on the fence. I I definitely loved Arya and Jon. I feel like Arya showed way more emotion than when Arya and Sansa were reunited. You know, there was was a a definite vulnerability to Maisie Williams' performance there as opposed to when she met Sansa, where there, there was happiness, but... With with John, there was definitely a little bit more to it. So I don't know. I'm on the fence. I I, I, I think
1: I think the Aria and Sans reunion. I think Aria was still wary of Sons when they when they had their right. reunion. That's what I'm saying. And yeah.
3: but with John, there was a vu- vulnerability there. Like John is the the person she loves probably most in the world in a in a platonic way. You you shippers um, and. <laughs> 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 and so I, I feel like there's a, there's there's a difference there because they always i think john and arya always felt like the outcasts in their family and you know as they were growing up you know they never you know john because he was a alleged bastard and and arya just because she never fit the mold of being a lady like she was supposed to well, so and this,
1: another point to that you know you mentioned book readers was this all you wanted Gorython? you said that in the books, Arya is always compared to her aunt Liana. and now that we know John is the son of Liana, right? That that was that was another connection they've always had. Was see,
2: because in in the show they they said two sentences to each other and then never talked about each other again. So <laughs> I was like, so, "Cool, yeah, Arya's back, great."
3: Okay, so my only other question was: Did any, was was there any significance to you guys to the fact that? Arya did not show John cat's paw.
2: Yeah, what the hell? When he like, said yeah, Valyrian like, steel and, right. she, and she should Wouldn't be like, that, oh, I've got my own. Right. That's To me, that would have
3: been a natural, yeah, I've got some too and you know, this is a knife, it works better for me because she even touched about how heavy Longclaw was. Oh. Um, so it would have been a natural, like, yeah, I have a Valyrian steel, it's lighter, I work better with it, etc., but she didn't even pull it out. So I didn't know if it was like significant or they just they just kinda were moving on and they didn't really want to like you know, they just were moving on with the rest of the conversation. And- that's what
1: that's that's another reason why people like us felt like it was rushed because why not talk about your Valyrian steel dagger? Hell, you showed it to Gendry. Gendry got to make his comments about it.
2: Yeah. Well, Gendry's not her brother. Am I right, everybody? Up top, high five. uh, (laughs) High
3: five. But, uh, uh, yeah, and I I do feel like, you know, I I really hate to keep harping on this, but I wish we had more episodes because I I feel like we're not going to get a scene where John and Arya are just sitting in a couple chairs in a room drinking wine and talking about all the shit that they went through. Right, like those are. I want to see those conversations. I don't want to just like we talked about a second ago how okay Sansa and Arya like like what ISIS was saying. Sansa and Arya have clearly had some conversations and they've gotten in a better place. I want to see those conversations. Right.
1: Yeah, and we barely got that with 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 Sansa and John. Like Like, remember remember Sansa and John's conversation. He was feeding her soup and he was and. She was talking about everything she had been through. We got a little bit of that. Why can't they give us that?
3: I want to see reunions? those conversations. I want to see how well, Arya. But that's Insan just it. To... You shouldn't expect them.
2: You shouldn't expect them. This Isaac says you'll get them in the book. No, <laughs> we won't because it'll never happen.
3: And we, right. That's the other. Yeah. Who knows if we'll ever get the fucking books? But I mean, I want to see those conversations because to me, that's what. Those are the the relationships are why I watch this show. The battles are great. But I can get battles in a fucking Fast and the Furious movie. Like, I wanna see the relationships. I did fast and the Furious
4: <laughs> movie. That's funny. But, now I, oh now, I
2: really want, but, now I really want now I really want like Jason Statham with the Valerian Steel sword. Yeah.
4: Oi uh, Oi Or
2: or
3: uh, well, oy, no the, the new one, what's this Idris <laughs> Alba is basically made out of Elba. Valerian
2: steel you know or for, made of, for what it seems like.
3: But but you know what I mean. Like okay, But did...
2: what about what about last season made you think you were going to get those conversations this season? Because like last I, season, an yes. a, an entire huge plot point was that oh, is Arya going to kill Sansa because she thinks that she betrayed them? And and then <laughs> oh no, no she didn't Albert. do it. And Are you it, doing that, Albert? Like, I don't even know what that voice <laughs> was. It was more stupid. <laughs> I feel like it was Fan Albert and Kermit mixed together.
4: Yeah, <laughs> but, I was I was yeah. gonna
2: say that. I was like, oh God. But seriously, like, like
3: I wanted those yeah, and I get it. I should have known better and and I understand <laughs> what you're saying. But I'm just saying that I would have I mean, I feel like that's why most people got hooked on this show, right? I mean the show has a huge female audience for a show that Kind of revolves around a lot of naked women and dragons and people cutting each other up. It has a white huge, dudes. right? It has a huge what? Yeah, ordinarily the show would be middle-aged white dudes, you know, their wet dreams. But it's got a huge female following, and it's because we got all those conversations, we got those relationships, you know, when the when the series was young. And I really hate that we've gone away from that as the series has come to a close. For no reason whatsoever. Like, HBO... If I may. HBO would have killed someone to have more episodes and to extend this out to 10 episodes per season instead of 7 and and 6 that we're getting. And so it's really frustrating that we had that opportunity. It wasn't a budget issue. And they just wanted to, for whatever reason, end it quicker. But, go ahead.
1: Isis, I know... I didn't give you a chance, a real chance to talk about Gendry and Arya. Give me, I, I know you were waiting for this reunion for a while. We talked about it in podcasts, but leading up to the season, was it, was it what you wanted? Was it everything you hoped for?
4: No, man. I wanted him to like throw her down in the forage and this like, oh no, 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 sorry. Sorry. That's like, that that was that was something I read in fan fiction. No, no, it really, I really did enjoy it. I thought it was going to be. I thought he was going to be more excited to see her, um, just because you know it's somebody that he, you know, hasn't seen and you know for a long time and did not know if she was alive or dead or whatever the case may be. So, um, I, I was really hoping more on his side that because he seems to be a type of person who kind of i don't want to say shows these emotions but he he at least shows his emotions more than aria does um and so i really was hoping that he was really going to be like hey it's so great to see you oh my god you're alive and you know have that kind of reunion but he was really trying to play it off as being very cool um and collective but i really love fucking hug
1: but we got one of the best lines of the night from Macy Williams. It was you don't know any other rich girls. That was a great line.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. And and when he, you know, called her ma'am and um my lady and, oh, my lady and everything and that was a, you know, a really great callback and everything. Um, uh, was it everything I wanted it to be? No it wasn't. I wanted I wanted more. I did. I genuinely did want it to, to I should be have more. forged sex. Yeah. Forged sex. Yes, that's exactly what I wanted. Um, But, you know, um, you can still see that there is some genuine, you know, respect there. She was really happy that he was alive, even if he may not be alive for very long. Um, But, you know, I mean, I I think that it's I'm hoping that it's going to develop more and more, because I think that at this point, if Gendry dies, He'll be known as that guy that was boating for a couple of seasons, seasons <laughs> where as if, you know, there's like a genuine kind of relationship going on between him and Arya. I think that, um, you know, there people will feel something more for him if he does die.
1: All right. So I've got three more points I want to talk about tonight. And if you guys have something else to add as we're talking these three points, feel free to fill in. But first, I want, OK, the three points I want to talk about is a did this first episode of season eight paint Daenerys as the villain that, that a lot of these anti-Daenerys shippers want her to be, B. um, and then we kind of hit on it already, but I want to talk about John's reaction to learning. He was a Targaryen. Um, and C. let's talk about that goddamn horror movie at last hearth where little Ned (laughs) Umber was set on fire. Um, Let's start with the let's start with the first point. Do you Hand guys up. feel. Yeah, go ahead, though.
2: Yeah, this was my this is what I was going to pivot into a minute ago that I was like, all right, I'll let Smith say this because I feel like what we've been dancing around. when We're talking about John and Sansa and, and all this stuff about like Sansa, not these people, not getting it. John, not getting it. Danny's not getting it either. And it's all about practicality and John is the one who is approaching or is is at least attempting to approach, you know, the uh, the situation with practicality. And even still, just like Sansa in her other smart line of the night that pointed out something to us and was like, oh, yes, you smart is did you bend the knee for an alliance or for love? Or right. whatever the first one was, and it obviously it was for love because, as people have pointed out, uh, she offered to help fight the Night King, and then John offered to bend the knee, like that was how it went. But uh, but but Danny, Danny has like I don't know how many times this episode they emphasized how she just doesn't get it. John has told her that you know southern or northerners don't take kindly to outsiders. Sansa has shown her. That even someone who you know she was expecting to be a lot more kind to her is wary of her, and then Davos had to just straight up tell Tyrion as well, like, "Yeah, she needs to like show that she's the queen." Like this setting up for all these moments for Danny to eventually show, like, "Oh, I'm a good queen, yay!" Right? Like she isn't going to win over the North or the rest of Westeros, like in spirit by force. And it, they really keep nailing the the. Tarly killing was a mistake, and I don't know if it was a mistake or not. But running and into up, Sam, what was it?
1: I I, I got to talk about that man. I got to talk about the Tarly thing. Like I I have been holding this in for so fucking long. When you are at war, any any anybody who's read any books about you know like the Great War, World War Two, anybody who's 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 watched TV shows about war or movies, you cannot leave. Enemy combatants alive and on the field of battle. Either A, you take them prisoner, or B, you kill them. And Randall Tarley made it clear to Daenerys that he that she did not have the right to send him to the wall. Because at one point Tyrion almost had Daenerys hooked on, okay, send him to the wall. But Randall said, No, she cannot send me to the wall, she's not my queen. The only option she had left at that point was to torch that motherfucker, and she did. I'm so tired of hissing these other people on Twitter talk about.
2: I mean, or Randall, or Rand- taken prisoner.
1: Yeah, well, where was she going? She do didn't what- torch
2: everybody else. Everybody else didn't go to the wall. I mean, look, the point they is they bent the
1: knee. They bent everybody else bent the knee, though.
2: Yeah, and 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 are they fighting for her now? Like, I'm, I'm I mean, assuming. so yeah. th- the thing is and I don't know if the Tarley thing should have or shouldn't have happened. You know, obviously they did a really good job of showing that the dad is a dick and the brother was nice. Right. And right. the, the whole point of that was to have her like, this was one of the few times that something I think paid off. And yet again, I don't know if the writers did a great job sticking the landing with Danny, but running into Sam, seeing his reaction to the news of his family's death was a moment that I think hopefully, added some humanity to this war for her. Because up until this point, she's been... Every time she's yelled, bend the knee at people, when she's been torching people, when she's been killing people, they've been slavers and rich assholes. Right? Right. That's not who Westeros is. So when she goes around and she's yelling, bend the knee, and burning people, she's burning people that objectively aren't bad people. Right? Right? They're just... People on the other side of this conflict that John has been trying to emphasize is a conflict that doesn't matter because right. the Night King is the one true fight, right? So, I think that the Sam thing was important. I think it'll play a bigger role going forward. That Danny is is like needs to see that there is consequences to her actions here that she didn't really have in Essos. john
1: John bradley sold that scene too by the
2: way yeah no bradley was the highlight of that scene for sure and she hasn't connected with anyone from westeros outside of john she hasn't had a chance to show the type of queen she is and her little bullshit snide comment to sansa who yes was being sassy about the dragons eat whatever they want is clearly the wrong approach she's trying (laughs) she's the new girlfriend who shows up to thanksgiving and tries to start shit by, like, talking about the dry mac and cheese or something. Like, that is that is what she's doing right there, and it's absurd. And someone needs to tell her that, and it needs to be John, but it's probably going to be Tyrion. And she's going to get mad about it. She's going to start, you know, she's going to get mad about it, going like, to, like, dress Tyrion down. She's going to be like, look, these people need to respect me. John was their king. He bent the knee. Now they are the northest part of my kingdom, and I am honor-bound to protect them, yada yada, Right but that's going to start also laying that groundwork for the Tyrion-based uh, leak that we oh. caught in the off-season, that oh. he's, he's going to start seeing Danny as something other than what he originally thought. Because what really bothers me the most, and then I'll shut up and let someone else talk about the way that they, just like with Sansa, that they are either trying intentionally to make Danny look like a bad guy or they're failing to get across the point that she just doesn't understand politics at all because she's never had to deal with it. But she's literally seen the Night King and is still going around demanding fealty, you know, from these people. And, you know, doing it to slavers is one thing, but demanding the North in the exact same fashion is not going to work. And she is really tiresome. Especially with that Sansa has to respect me, garbage. Yeah, that, that was almost high like, garbage. Like, if their goal in this episode truly was to make us question Danny and align more with with Sansa and and start to question John's foresight or whatever, it, then they did a good job. Now, are they going to immediate? This is what's going to piss me off if they immediately turn it around in Episode 2 and have them all be best friends because they have a battle coming up. That just gets more into what Smith was saying, that you didn't have to rush this like that. You made the choice.
1: I agree. All right, let's talk about really quick uh, Isis. I want to get your thoughts on John's reaction to him finding out that Ned Stark lied his entire life, that he was actually the son, the true-born son of Lyanna Stark, and Rhaegar Targaryen, that his name is Aegon Targaryen, sixth of his name, and that he is the rightful ruler of the Seven Kingdoms. And had Ned, you know, obviously Ned lied to save his life, but had, had Rhaegar Targaryen lived, um, John would be the, the, the crown prince, our king by now. So, but the look on his face, like, he was so upset that he was finding out that he, that everything was a lie and 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 the, the the fact that Danny's his aunt and that he's been banging his aunt didn't even come into into play he was more upset that Ned lied about his parentage how how do you think that scene came off
4: well i mean i think it came off exactly i think what we had talked about in the past that you know he was going to be shocked he was going to be upset um, I mean all of these things all of these emotions are to be expected um, especially when you know everything that you you thought you knew about yourself has just been completely turned on its head um, that you know your father the person who raised you um, and you know said that you were a bastard and and well he never said he was a bastard but you know that you were of my blood um, but you know all of these different things and then you know, having to go take the black and go up north and do all of these things were on, you know, because he was a bastard. And the fact that he wasn't that he could have had a different type of maybe a life or no life at all. I mean, I, th- I think Sam did a really good job of saying, hey, the reason why, you know, your father, uh Ned did this was to protect you. You you would not have been able to stay alive. Someone would have killed you. Um, I think that was really poignant of the fact that kind of bringing him back to, okay, I see you're spiraling right now. You need to kind of refocus and kind of go and say, the reason why he did this was because of, you know, the, there was no way that you would have been able to stay alive. Um, and he made a promise to your mother. So, I, I mean, I think that that whole scene was everything that I I thought it was going to be the only thing that I kind of was like really I mean you you flew on a freaking dragon earlier you didn't know that there was something different uh, something a little off I guess that's where I was just kind of like <laughs> you know come on man I mean read the fucking tea leaves here um, I, I know I I know that he's not a quick one. You know, I know John is not always quick on the uptick, but uh, but come on, I mean, there's obviously something that is that is there that is going to. But I I don't even think that he had enough time to establish the fact that he's banging his aunt. You know, I I don't think he's even gotten to that point yet. He hasn't made that leap mentally yet. I'm ready for Uh, that to hit him that episode. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that one hasn't hit him in the face yet um i think what's hit him in the face yet is that he is now the the rightful king and it's a job he never fucking wanted and he doesn't want he he doesn't want that at all he's never wanted it in his life um but now is it's not only has it been pushed upon him at every turn whether if he was you know um at the at castle black whether he was at home when when they got the, when they got uh, Winterfeld back, but now again, every time he's been more than happy to give it up, and he it's like a fucking booger that he cannot get off of him, um uh, you know and and Even the I booger think, flick, yeah man I mean that it's it's so it's so apt for so many things, but yeah I think that's to me that's where he's at right now is that he is in a position where he has this, this job that he does not want, never did want. He just, he, he, I think he wants the, the quiet life. And then not only that, but the ramifications of that, the person that he trusted the most, that he loved the most lied to him.
1: Well, I think, I think it was one of the best scenes of the night. I liked it that that one tacked on with um, Sam finding out about his brother dying that was another great scene. The Aria-John reunion. There was a lot of great scenes dotted out throughout this episode. But I want to talk about really quick now, before we wrap this podcast up, um, I want to ask you guys, uh, phone really quick, what did you think about the goddamn horror that was the uh, Ned Umber death scene?
2: Uh, well... I mean, it was creepy. Uh, I don't really.
1: You don't get it, do you? You don't understand why there's why it looked like shrimp. What do you call it?
2: I shrimp? said it looked like a shrimp cocktail, like yeah. around the glass. I just, I, I guess at some point because this is like the third time or so we've seen like a symbol from them or whatever. Uh, but I, I guess we'll get more information in the future. From all I could tell, it was. I just it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make sense, <laughs> right? Like my the, thing they was, why are
4: we le- why are we
1: leaving this little kid as a message? Does he know that Barrack exactly and what... are behind
2: him? What is what is what is what is the deal here? Like I don't understand. Good, but they did it in like season one, episode one, right? They had the bodies in uh, right. a symbol, and and okay, fine, but I, <laughs> I just it seems so out of place, like for a group of of things in the night King and the white walkers that we haven't seen have any sort of motive or they just howl at each other. And (laughs) like now they're leaving very intricate. I'm assuming soaked in kerosene messages because (laughs)
3: those,
2: those limbs just lit on fire, like super easy. Uh, I don't know, man. I, it was it was cool as shit. It's one of those things like Smith talked about earlier we talked about a lot last year. In a vacuum, it's cool. Like, how it was creepy. Right? And then you take a step back and it's like, wait, what? Like, why was it like that? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why they had to... I mean, I, they're trying to let us know how real the threat is, but we already knew the, the threat was real. We already knew. And, like, the trailer for next episode, they say, how long do we have? And Barracks like, uh before before the, the sun comes up tomorrow morning or something like that. So, like, we're, this next episode is set about Winterfell. So we already know the threat's coming, did we? So do you have to raise more questions by killing Ned Umber and nailing him to a wall and then having him reanimate and scare the fuck out of me? No, there's no real reason for that. Because one of my all-time fears is clowns and little kid ghosts. And so Ned Umber scared the fuck out of me. And that scream he had, man. What the
3: fuck? It was terrifying. But um, I'm going to go okay. around and ask you, uh, hold, hold on. We have not touched on just how stupid that fucking scene was. I know we kind of scratched the surface. But yes, like what Thone said, who are they leaving that message for? Well, right? Chime in here. I, that's what we were asking. I don't no, know I why mean, they Who left are the they message? leaving that message no, for? He's, yeah, eating like, his uh, he's eating sushi. He's eating sushi, y'all. I put my sushi down for a second. But, how? yeah, like, who is he leaving that message for? How does how does he know that freaking, you know, Dolores said and Tormund and all those guys are going to come in and find that? Like, who the fuck is he leaving that message for? There's that question. <laughs>
2: it's so dumb. I'm it's, sorry. It's
3: literally dumb. <laughs> like, it, yeah, I mean, it's creepy when you watch it, but when you think about the logic of it, it's like, dude, y- you literally sat there and, like, cut up a bunch of arms and then, like, Got a, oh, a hammer and nail. Like, hang
2: on, <laughs>
3: hang yeah, on. Like, what are you There's
2: doing? Like, one white Walker. That's like a real like he was like he was like a Kyber in real life, right? And yeah. and now he's a White Walker. <laughs> and like, all right, guys, we done killing everybody in the castle. Guys, wait, you guys go ahead. I'm gonna I'm gonna set something up. Oh, God damn it, Steve, come on, man. Like we. Yeah, and then he like. No, Steve
1: Don't has look. Steve has the nails and the hammer. He's the same guy who had the chains in season seven. Yeah, everybody man, calls man, like Steve. They, and he's, like, halfway the,
2: through putting, yeah. like, a, a, a cycle of arms on the wall. And they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, what? just let me, let me do my thing, man. Well, I picture the Night King, it's
3: like, standing back. I picture the Night King standing back at the end of that hall. And he's like, well, that leg right there is a little too high. So if you could just lower <laughs> it a little bit. I think that that'll make it a little more symmetrical, and it'll, you know, it'll it'll bring the what's that? The feng shui will be a little bit better with this room if you just.
2: Hang on. And you're, do you remember? You're like, do you ever in, uh, in in Goldfinger, whenever they, they're <laughs> having the round table, and Goldmember goes, uh, or not Goldfinger? Goldmember and Goldmember goes, can I paint this you gold? It's kind <laughs> of my <laughs> thing.
3: Yeah, and you're just like what? And that was a. Fucking parody. How about no, you creepy
2: white bastard. You can't make any more dead kid murals on castles we've already killed everybody in. Like, right. no, trust me, somebody's going to come in here and this kid's going to scare the shit out of them. It's going to be great. But Steve,
1: why do we need big spikes and hammers? Trust me, trust me, somebody's going to see this and they'll appreciate it. Bonk, I mean, bonk, bonk. Here's, bonk.
3: Here's, the other, here's the other stupid part of that whole fucking... <laughs> you set that aside. And the second stupid shit that happened in that fucking scene is it, they all said, well, we got some horses, so we'll just ride around the army of the dead and nobody will notice and we'll get to Winterfell and we'll let everybody know. It's like, are you fucking kidding me? They're going to ride around the army of the dead in, no, on, listen, in a group Smith. of horses
2: with a guy who has an undead fucking dragon. Smith. Like, are you... you don't You don't understand the route. It's pretty easy. They're going to take their horse down Old Town Road and they're going (laughs) to ride till they can't no more.
3: I just, uh, I can't, like, some of the stuff in this episode was so fucking stupid. And that was one of the things. And I'm just like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? I want to hear,
2: I want to hear if Isis thought it was as
3: dumb as all of us did. Spoiler (laughs) alert, she did.
4: Oh, I, I did. No, I did. (laughs) I, I really. I, I thought it was so, I, the only part I liked about it was, uh, when, uh, what's his name goes, his eyes are blue. He's oh, like, yeah, they always great. been, that, that was like my favorite part of that whole scene. Um, the, I, I have a thing about seeing dead kids. This is why I don't watch things like Pet Cemetery. The, I, I just don't, I don't do well with kids that are dead or undead or whatever. It's just, ugh. Um, but I really made a this.
1: point. They really made a point of Ned Umber being this cute little kid playing the little Lord at the beginning, like, "Yes, oh, my lady. God. Yes, my lord. Yes, my queen." And I'm like, because I knew this was gonna happen. Like, I knew that last Wednesday, some a friend of ours told me what happened from the premiere, and I was like, "Oh, little Ned, I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry this is gonna happen to yeah. you." Yeah.
4: Well, I mean, you know, I I just I. I it was disgusting, but at the same time, it really kind of made me think of, like, what you guys were talking about, but it was, like, uh, Home Alone, the Wet Bandits. Like, we're going to leave our mark. <laughs> this is our mark. <laughs> like, we're going to leave this It's the White spiral. Walkers. W-H.
2: Yeah. H- <laughs> Thanks for leaving uh, mutilated kids in all the crime scenes, guys. Now we know which crimes to commend you for. <laughs> <laughs>
4: exactly exactly, and I was just like I mean that's that's what I thought about it and I was like god this is so silly I mean you know the only other time we've seen that symbol um, and I think I said this in a tweet uh, last night but um, we've seen it twice before once when they were you know uh, I believe it was in season four is it I'll have to look back in my tweets they've done it several times they've done it in season
1: one season two and season four for sure
4: well, I know that from, you know, they did it in the cave, um, the cave drawings that that, you know, John shows uh, Danny. Right. Um, I remember that. Um, and then again, where it's the 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 children of the, the forest or what I like to call the corn. And uh, and then, you know, the horses that are dead um, all around. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen it before. I just want to know what's what is the significance of it? Oh, yeah. there- Please
1: explain it to us
4: yeah i, I want to know it it's, it's been everywhere but nobody has said exactly what this means other than like this is the white walker's mark i guess but um, all right I
1: isis think- isis well i've got you really quick well i've got you um what grade would you give this episode and where would you rank it in season premieres out of, out of, out of the eight season premieres where would you uh where would you rank this one what what grade would you give it
4: like are we doing like a point standard or are we doing like an a whatever you want whatever you want oh man i i'm gonna i'm gonna say no i i'm gonna have to say it was a a a hard c minus um shit yeah it was it just was so rushed uh and, and i again you know i think we've said that throughout the entire episode of this podcast uh it was very very rushed they've done better season premieres. And, um, and again, I think we all have a right to be nervous.
1: Where would you rank it out of eight season premieres? Where would you rank it? God. Got you on the spot.
4: Yeah. This, I I would say probably the last.
1: Wow. There you yeah, have it, I folks. Mean, ISIS, a hard C minus. I mean, there's... an eight out of eight.
4: It, I mean, it, it was it hit on all the all of these things that it was supposed to because of the timing, um, but was it? Did it make it for great TV? Did it make it for a great season premiere? I don't think so.
2: Bone, give me your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that th- it's able to get away with some of the shit that we've been laughing at because here's the thing: I still really enjoyed the episode overall. I did I too. watched every second of it. I thought it was fun. Um, I would not disagree that it might be the worst season, like in in <laughs> and of itself, the worst worst premiere. But uh, at the same time, as Smith has talked about, uh, you know, earlier that the show had always done such a great job laying. Groundwork, doing the groundwork. They've put in so much work, even though the last two seasons have been so rushed, that there's still this great connection with the characters. There's all this understanding with the characters. And so it still has more, you know, if this was like season two premiere, then I would be like, this show is not going to land anything. This is hot but, garbage. <laughs> yeah. But since it's the, you know, season eight, it's like, all right, I'll, I'll give them a pass. What grade would you so give like? like I don't show? know. B minus, maybe.
1: Yeah, Smith, I I know you I know you're going to hit it with some hard truth, but where would you rank it out of the 8 season premieres and what grade would you give it?
3: Where I would rank it in in the uh as far as the premieres go, it, it definitely would be low. Um I'd also like to bring up the fact that was it season 7 that the U Razor declared the greatest episode of Game of yeah. Thrones ever. The premiere? I thought it
1: was. I thought it was one of the greatest <laughs> episodes, absolutely, and I still. I stand by it was one of the greatest episodes. Yes.
3: Okay. Well, uh, moving on there, Suicide Squad. Um, so, okay, okay,
1: Purple, purple Lamborghini. Purple Lamborghini, go fuck yourself. Now, give me a grade <laughs> on the episode.
3: I'd say a C plus. Um, I thought some things really worked. I loved the the. Parentage reveal with with John and and um, Samuel Tarley. I thought that scene just fucking worked. Um, I mean, both those guys, especially John Bradley, acted the hell out of that scene. So um, I, I definitely, I definitely loved some some parts of it. Um, but overall, I don't think that it was a fantastic episode. I think we should. We maybe we should have said this at the beginning that even uh you know like the caveat that even the worst Game of Thrones episode is still better than a lot of t v out there, so I know that we rag on it, but it was still yes, I still enjoyed it, I still had a good time and I enjoyed it. It's just when you compare it to some of the other great episodes that the series has produced, it felt kind of lacking so and my other my only other point that i I've kept meaning to bring up that tonight was that. You know, when Bran was like, hey, we ha- we don't have time for this, you know, because the White Walkers are coming. And then we proceeded to spend the next hour doing all kinds of meaningless shit.
2: <laughs> then they Aladdin around on dragons yeah. and made out like, a
3: waterfall. Right. You're like, okay, there's literally an army of the dead lurking about with an undead dragon, giants, a whole fucking army of zombies. And yeah, let's just go take a joyride for no fucking reason. Um, I and,
2: can show you the north
3: right <laughs> and, and you're just like so I mean it, it's just like it, it just felt a little uneven it's like we're we're told this and we know in the back of our heads that this is what's happening and clearly I mean the Night King is I mean he took out Last Hearth and um, you know who knows what else but it's like and then we spent all this time doing all kinds of meaningless stuff it was kind of like well, which is it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it is there a war coming that to end all wars that we all need to unite, no matter what our differences is are, or is it time to go flying and sightseeing? You know what I mean? So, right,
1: right.
3: Which well, one is it? So again, C plus. I, I liked a lot of it. I, I didn't feel like it was great, and I don't feel like it it compares well to some of the great episodes in the series.
1: I agree. I, I I would I would put this one for me. I would put this one towards the bottom of the season premieres. Again, it, it's hard to say this. Like I enjoyed the episode. I've watched it three times now, um, mainly God because I had well, mainly because I had to recap a lot of it last <laughs> night and today, so I had to watch it on purpose. But I've enjoyed. I enjoyed the episode. Um, I would probably rank it lower, like around five or six, maybe even yeah probably probably around five or six I wouldn't have time right now to go through which which premieres are the best, but I would give it a probably about a b minus um it was rushed, but we did get a lot of things that we wanted. We got reunions we got John riding a dragon even though it came off as a two Disney Aladdin. Uh, whatever you have, there were a lot of jokes to be made out of that, and I'm I'm sure that the writers might one day regret doing it that way. Um, and but you know, there were also great moments, and there were out of place moments, like Ned Umber being burned on the wall. Like we just sit here and took took that that scene apart, and when I watched it all three times, I, I went, "Holy fuck, this is a very vivid, scary scene." But when we sit here and talk about it, it's It makes sense to make fun of it because it has no place in this episode.
2: So uh, there, there's a lot. Real quick, before you wrap up, just uh, because I want to make sure we hit these two lines. One, when Sansa said that the purple wedding had its moments. Shout out to that hilarious line, Uh, and then, and secondly, finding out that Ed Sheeran's face got melted off.
0: Also great.
2: (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for those moments. This episode was very pander heavy, and in a pander heavy episode, those were two great moments that I still loved.
1: Yeah, it was really great. uh And can somebody please bring Brand inside? He's—I he's, know he okay. doesn't—he fit doesn't feel anything from the waist down, <sighs> but I'm sure he's got to be cold.
3: But can we—we we, we totally glossed over this, and fuck us for being not very good at our jobs. But we <laughs> <Stop>. did not. <laughs> fuck you for not being good at your job. <laughs>
4: We did not, Corey. Talk about... Say that about yourself. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: I brought we notes. You t- sushi, hold on,
4: bitch. <laughs> we did not
3: talk about Bran and and Jamie meeting. Like that was to me one of the Corey. best. But... <laughs> Come on, we totally <laughs> dropped the ball on that. We didn't even we didn't even bring it up once tonight. Bran and Jamie okay, running into each other right at the end. The, no, the...
4: literally. Go ahead. Go ahead, Isis. Uh, no, yeah, go ahead. Corey, 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 Thone, Corey Thone brought it up at the very beginning of the podcast. But anyway, that's <laughs> nor here nor there. So let's talk about Bran and Jamie. So Bran has been waiting in the freaking wings um, outside in the freaking Since elements. Since, Since nighttime. Yeah. Like, he's just like, I, I mean, you would think that he would know exact moment when Jamie was going to arrive, so he didn't really need to sit out there, but (laughs) I I appreciate the dedication to be like, I'm not going to miss this motherfucker, okay? I'm going to see this motherfucker. (laughs) Sam, you go tell John that shit. I'm waiting right here. (laughs) Right (laughs) here. Yes, right here. I'm waiting for this motherfucker to roll up in here, and uh, so I'm just going to be chilling, right? And, I mean, you know, I, I really... I have to say that Jamie looks like he is aged like 10 years. Like that boy, like from last season, when he leaves to when he gets to Winterfell homeboy has aged a lot. I mean, they had more gray hair. Um, I mean, he, He really, really, I mean, it it almost like the blonde in his hair has just lost. Um, So, you know, of course you do. And so, you know, I really feel like that, um, you know, he he really has lost his shine. But I really feel like um, that when he saw uh, Bran there he really even kind of lost his shit a little bit. I think he probably, sh- you know, shit himself a little bit. Because uh, he <laughs> probably didn't expect that child to still be alive and at least not to come. Damn to-
3: it. Still on <laughs> my fucking point.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes, Isis. Good job. Isis, you are good at your job. Yes. I,
4: I, I didn't have to be told that. Thanks. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so This I already know. And uh, and then not only that, I think that, um, you know, it's something that he's going to have to confront, uh, you know, because because Jamie has been in this really in this trajectory, whether he knows it or not, of uh, growth, of being a better person on this redemption. And this is part of that redemption that this is he can't have full redemption until he gets this. Yeah, so, but I don't uh, think
1: I don't think the truth comes out. I think Bran tells him. There's no need to tell anybody. I think something happens because if, if Jamie reveals that truth, Jamie's dead. There's no There's no saving him. He's he's already one handed. Like, and he didn't bring an army. Oh, and
4: and and I don't and I don't think that Bran and I think Bran knows that the fact that you know he came. Even though his sister didn't want him to come and that, you know, his sister, I mean, he already knows that his sister had promised an army and then Jamie shows up and was like, yeah, it's just me. There's no army. Um, I think that, you know, again, Brand thinks about the bigger picture. He they don't he doesn't think about things like, oh, you did this to me. He isn't who he is. Yeah, He is who he is because of what Jamie did. Jamie set him into this trajectory of becoming the three eyed Raven, whether Jamie knows it or not. It, he really did. And so, you know, it, it was always supposed to happen. It was the same thing with the Hodor thing was always supposed to happen. Hodor was so always supposed to be that way. And um, because, you know, he had to be there, there in that moment um, to save Bran. So, in my opinion, I think Bran's going to confront it, address it, and be like, yo, this is the last time we need to talk about it, all right? Cool. Yeah, don't don't mention out. it.
1: Now let's go in the hall so what so, uh, Daenerys can, can roast you alive. All right, so listen, that's been our podcast for the first episode of Season 8, Winterfell. Um, please leave us some comments. Let us know what you think next week's title is going to be. Let us know if we missed anything that we didn't talk about because for some reason – Fucking sushi eating Corey Smith thinks we missed some things and we've rushed this podcast tonight. So let me know in the comments if we need to talk about more stuff next week. We'll be back on, you'll be hearing us on Tuesday next week. So for ISIS, for Corey Smith and Corey Phone, the Mogulis.